Well, good evening, saints. It's Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. And a week of first. And man, it's going to be a good week of first. Tonight, tonight has its own set of firsts in it. This is the first time I have ever seen Abambola Daramola wear pink shorts on the front row. <laughs> Don't believe that. Salmon is pink. Miss Jess has had a really good influence on Abambola. She's, she's uh, smoothing out those rough edges. The other first tonight, this is my very first time to preach with Peyton Parsons. Just mano y mano. And I am some kind of excited. It's going to be a special blessing this evening. Peyton and the brothers have written a song that perfectly captures some of the concepts that the Lord has been breathing into our congregation. We've been speaking of repentance and tabernacle prayer and movements like Jehu. They've all allowed us to grow in our understanding of the allotment and what we are destined for as a church. That was Sunday. We covered Golden Goral. This is Wednesday. And our title Wednesday is Until the End. We'll be focused on what it takes to complete all that the Lord has graciously placed before us. Amen? Amen. Church, are you ready to get into our text for the evening? Who has their Bible? Why don't you open it to Luke 13? Find verse 28. And you guys let me know when you're there. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Come on. This passage is beautiful for a number of reasons. And we're going to show you several layers of it as we keep moving this evening. This main text can be likened unto a traffic light. The front of it the middle of it, and the bottom of it. And we want to share that with you. This top portion in red, it's a full-scale revelation that demands that you stop in your tracks. Come on, somebody say, stop. Stop. Well, this middle section is a retort. It's covered in yellow, and it supposes that the man of God should be cautious. The section in green is a supernatural, spirit-filled response. Our response to the cautious retort, rebuke, or rebuffing of the world is to go. Say go. Go. Press in. Press in. And press on. Press on. Till the end. Till the end. 
Look, we're going to go back through this passage a little bit, so if you didn't catch those markers, we're going to help you do it. Starting back at the 28th verse. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, people will come from the east, west, north, and south and take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. What a jaw-dropping, heart-stopping revelation that is. Can you imagine it being said, you, yourselves, will be thrown out? Would that stop you in your tracks? Yes. I'd tear my clothes, fall on the ground, and cover my head in dust. This brought immediately to my mind Revelation 20 and verse 11. I'm going to quote it for you. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, Earth and sky fled from His presence and there was no place for them. If the earth and sky won't be able to stand up in the judgment of God, then neither will these men that Jesus is addressing. Men who suppose themselves to be in right standing with the Lord, but they lack the demonstrable actions associated with living in the kingdom. Man, that is terrifying. Terrifying. I want to read something else terrifying to you. Why don't we turn to Revelation 21 and find verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wow. He's not just putting them in a grave. He's putting them in a fiery lake of sulfur, and that terrifies me. You see, no coward or unbelieving, or as opposed to an unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe there is a God, but there are unbelievers who are in the faith that live in faithlessness constantly. Idolaters who refuse to repent and do the works of God will have any place in the kingdom. Wow. Think through that for a minute. This passage is addressed to those who are leaders of the only nation that God claimed on earth. And in Revelation, he doesn't say unbelievers and he doesn't say pagan cowards. Those who believe that they're in the kingdom but behave cowardly Those who believe they're in the kingdom, they believe in Jesus, they say, but they act in an unbelieving manner. Is that a jaw-dropping revelation? Look, we feel the need to explain the stoplight again because I've driven with so many of you and you clearly don't know what they are. A stoplight is something that should cause you to slam on the brakes, like come to a complete and total stop. In in fact, as a matter of law, it ought to cause you to rock rock back on your heels. All forward momentum stops. You ought to actually start going the other direction for a minute or it's not a real stop. Can you see how Jesus' words might have caused that? Then he moves on 
to describe people coming from every direction of the globe and being seated with the courageous patriarchs who he calls prophets in the passage because they did the work of God. They saw what needed to be done and through all of their weakness, they fought and they got it done. Listen, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be included, but he says to these leaders, you yourselves will be thrown out. That is traffic-stopping kind of speech, don't you think? That's sobering that he is throwing out the leaders, those presupposed as leaders, those who knew the things of God but did not do them. They will be last, left out, literally burned. I want to share another red-light passage with you. And don't turn to it. I'll, I'll quote it to you because we... We read over this way too fast. And the thing about red light passages is they don't actually make us stop. We have to root that out this morning as we come across scriptures like Matthew 7, 21. They're like those stop signs between the kibbutz and fuerte. We treat them more like suggestions. You know, we give a courtesy glance and keep rolling. Today, we want to come to full stop where the word does. Amen. Well, let's stop on this verse. And take it in as I read, read it to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, my friends, if that's not a red light kind of moment, I don't know what would be. Revelation that is real revelation, it always comes like that. It stops you in your tracks and makes you consider where you were at. Take notice. The same way that when a red light sneaks up on you and you're having trouble stopping before you get to the intersection, the first thing you do is look to see where the police are. Same exact way. We need to be looking to see where we're at in this moment. The next passage that we're going to is their retort, their, re- their rebuttal of what Jesus is saying, their expression of caution. You guys still in Luke 13? It'll be important to keep a finger in that chapter. Verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Anywhere else. Just Any- go. Anywhere else. Don't Look, pay. Just leave. Like, not only just leave, I want to send you off with a revelation. Yes. Hey, Herod wants to kill you. As soon as the revelation is clearly, vividly, victoriously expressed, Cowardly caution is sure to follow. This is what happened with the Pharisees. Look, Herod's family had been trying to kill Jesus since the visit of the Magi at his birth. Isn't it neat that they think they're, they're really doing something here? It's a diversion from what he's just said to them. And the truth is, is Jesus is aware Herod's family's been trying to kill him since before he was born. He's not all that concerned about it. Let me clue you into a word here. Herod wants to kill you, but he can't. (laughs) Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees also wanted to kill Jesus, but they can't. The whole town of Nazareth at one time wanted to kill Jesus, but they can't. Are you cautioned when the enemy threatens and says he wants to kill you? Deuteronomy 32, 39 is a beautiful passage. See, now that I myself am he, There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. 
I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. Some read this as a warning. I read it as a tremendous comfort. I stand in the hand of God and it doesn't matter what you want to do to me. I am in God's hand. If he is determined that I die, then I die. If he is determined that I live, then I live. And no man, nowhere can change that destiny except me by walking out of his will. Friends, if you are in the will of God, you're as safe as God wants you to be. I can absolutely assure you they cannot pull the trigger. He will not let it occur. Pastor, I got to tell you, sometimes I feel threatened when he, by the enemy when he wants to kill me. And I turn to the law, and I see that the enemy really has no authority to touch me. And then I go to the prophets because I know that fear of the enemy, that fear of man is actually sinful. I need to have a right fear of the Lord. And so I look at the prophets and scriptures like 1 Samuel 2.6, Hannah praying, Lord, the Lord brings down and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. He has power over life and death. That's authority that the enemy has no business dealing with. He's all talk. He's all talk trying to threaten the sons of God to get them to be fearful. But you can look at the scripture and see the truth that is there. And it is, it is a stop sign, but not like a warning. I think of this as a stop and read the scripture kind of promise that, Lord, I will be raised up and you will protect me and the enemy will not harm me in any way. Amen. Let's go to the writings in Psalm 68 and verse 20. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Our lives are in the hand of God and no one else. I say caution be damned. Yeah. Call the yellow light of caution what it is. Cowardice. This kind of yellow light retort is repulsive to the will of God. It's repulsive to the will of God and it should be repulsive to us. Hey Jesus, you preached a fantastic message and I ignored the part that was about my sin. I really would like to see you put on a mask, man, because I'm concerned that you're going to hurt people with your speech. I want to focus on Jesus' response tonight, though. Not the yellow light and not even the red light. I want to look at how we respond when you drop a red light revelation and somebody says, caution, caution. It's not cowardice. It's just caution. Of course, it is a yellow light for a reason. Luke 13, 32, one more time. Is that all right? Look, I've told two untruths since I started. Can I get that straight? Number one, this will not be one more time. I'm going to read this many more times tonight. Number two, after deeply contemplating Abambola shorts, they are orange and not pink. I want to clear the record there. Luke 13, 32. He replied, go tell that fox. You know, I don't think he's using fox like we did when we were kids. I remember looking at Jennifer and going, look at that fox. I don't think it had that connotation in this time. We'll have to keep reading to know for sure. He replied, go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely, no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Oh, come on. 
The green light of Jesus is amazing. This is the same Jesus who only three chapters earlier said to his followers, Go out like sheep among wolves. Now he's telling men who don't have his courage to follow him. They don't have the courage to follow him. You go tell that fox, like a pretend little wolf, not even a real wolf, that Jesus himself still remains undeterred. That's green light kind of response right there. You know, foxes are kind of interesting. Yeah. There, there was a, a song that went around years ago. What does the fox say? I don't think anyone actually knows. According to Matthew 8.20 and Luke 9.58, they have dens. They have places of comfort and protection. Jesus had none. According to Psalm 63 and verse 10 and Song of Songs 2.15, they are destructive. They ruin things. Jesus repaired things. In Ezekiel, they are likened to false prophets. They lie. Jesus was a real prophet. And only lived in the truth. The reason no one knows what the fox say is because they produce nothing. But the reason that the Lion of Judah can speak and it is eternal is because it produces the fruit that it says it will. You know, one of the best guitarists of all time sang a song about a foxy lady. And this just shows the extent to which we've drifted from biblical norms. Because if you listen to what Peyton said, foxes tend towards places of comfort. Foxes are destructive. Foxes are like lying false prophets in the biblical narrative. So then what's the point of Jesus calling Herod a fox? The point is, is that Jesus was not cautioned by the cowardly retort. He considered the source and he knew his father held his life in good hands. When he said, go tell that fox, he meant that cunning coward that hides in a den who is having destructive behavior and is like a lying prophet because that's what the word says about foxes. Which makes me repent for a third time. I'll find a new way to describe you from here on out. One sexy grandma. Let's look at our slide again and make sure we understand the flow of the passage so that we can hit some other things. The first part of the passage has to do with a rebuke. It's a revelation that Jesus gets that ought to stop you in your tracks. The middle part of the passage has everything to do with a cowardly retort that is meant at diversion from the heat of the red light revelation. And that third part in green is our go time statement. This is, we're going to go, we're going to get it done. You can't stop me. I love verse 32 because Jesus said, I have a goal. Jesus knew it would end in death, but definitely not before it's time. They couldn't touch him a moment Before his time came. And Jesus knew what he did today. That is in the present. And tomorrow that is in the future. And the next day. The continuous nature of his actions. Go ahead. Consider what that means. If he said today in the present. If he said tomorrow which is in the future. And he would continue on. He's saying not I'm not going to stop now. I'm not going to stop tomorrow or the next day. Ever am I going to stop. That is an attitude that is a green light kind of attitude. 
Would you like to see some other translations of this verse? Yes. Luke 13, 32 is the ESV. And he said to them, go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I finish my course. That's radically different than what we read, isn't it? Look at it in the Young's literal translation. Third day, I am being perfected. Again, radically different. Then in the NASB, I reach my goal. That's very similar to the NIV, but do you notice that my is capitalized? There's an emphasis on that pronoun for a reason. We're going to go through some of this as we move on, but the reason these three translations are somewhat different is that the Greek word that they're derived from is multifaceted. It's rich, it's vivid, and it is powerful. I want to show it to you on this next slide. The lemma that is being translated here is teleo. Now, when I say teleo, you can also see a Strong's number there, 5048, and you can see it as it is conjugated in that sentence as well. But we don't want to bore you with that. Let's pull up the next slide. So here is the translation in the 2011 NIV, and it uses eight concepts to translate teleo. Finish. Finishing, reach my goal, over, fulfill, arrived at a goal, clear, perfect, complete. Are you guys getting the picture? Now you've been acquainted with another word from John 13 that we don't want you to confuse with this one. In John 13 where Jesus shows the full extent of his love, that word is teleos. It sounds so similar because they have a similar root. Almost everything that derives from this same root has something to do with a fullness, a completion, a perfection. You can see in that chart that the majority of uses are perfect and complete. Y'all tell me that you see that. So I want to run through some paraphrasing of Luke 13, 32 based on what you now know. I finish my course in perfection and completion. I am being perfected and completed. I reach my perfect and my complete goal. You beginning to feel us here? In the next slide, you will see what the Bible translator calls senses. We don't want that up yet, though. The technical definition of run might be to ambulate rapidly. But the sense in which we use the word run, somebody say sense, might be something like this. Man, I've run myself ragged all day. Here, run is used in the sense of a variety of activities, not in its technical definition. Do you follow me with senses? We're now going to show you some of the senses in which teleo is used in. So we have this slide, senses of teleo. I'm going to start in the blue, and I want to help. We're going to use this slide to help us paint a picture of the sense in which it is used in the scripture. To be perfected, to perfect, to be fully accomplished, to fully accomplish, to finish, listen in on this, to complete one's mission, finish the race, 
Come on, do we have your attention now? Friends, we have a revelation that demands that caution be thrown to the wind. We have a green light to respond by completing our mission and finishing the race. With that in mind, we're going to turn to John 4.34 and everybody say, Till the end when you get there. In John 4.34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work, to talio His work. Jesus found it edifying to talio, finish the course, to be perfected, to reach the goal. That was like eating food to Him, to be talio. Nothing is better than fully accomplishing Finishing the perfect work of God because you are perfected as you do it. You're perfected in the process. Is that good news? Let's go to Hebrews 2 and verse 10. And say till the end whenever you arrive there. May you be perfected in the process as you do it. Verse 10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the, the assembly, I will sing your praises. In that passage, three words, all together, translated, talio, should make thee perfect. Right? Now what they're referring to is the pioneer of their salvation. But should make thee perfect, all talio. See, Jesus pioneered a course for us. The course revealed His perfection as He walked through it. He completed the perfect goal of God. Each of us has a green light to respond by throwing caution to the wind. Embracing the same kind of course Jesus did. We should see ourselves as being perfected in the process. We will reach this goal. And... We will be declared, as Hebrew says, in the heavenly assembly by Jesus himself. Church say, holiness is the key. Holiness is the key. If you throw caution to the wind in holiness, you arrive at your goal. If holiness is not your motivation, and you end up throwing discernment to the wind, you will never arrive at your goal. You actually become a cautionary tell. Have you ever seen that, Pastor? I have seen that many times in my life. I actually watch this go both ways. Somebody not motivated by holiness always says it's direct discretion when it's cowardly. They say that it's the better part of valor, although it has no part in valor. And then when somebody is full of macho bravado and just throws discernment to the wind, they also blame it on holiness. Look, the actions of God must derive from God. Who told Jesus to press on? His Father did. So he couldn't be deterred by mortal threats. 
We need to determine what God has said to us, about us, and wants to say through us, and be undeterred in every way. You have a green light to throw caution to the wind. You have to press on till the very end. I want to show it to you in Hebrews 10. Is that okay? Yes. Hebrews 10 in verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect, that word is talio, make perfect is talio, those who draw near to worship. Can we draw you to a serious truth here? You might not like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to go on till the end no matter what. Watching something innocent die, that's a teacher but it's not a perfecter. It makes an impact on you. Your heart hurts. You know something should be done, but if you don't do anything, no perfection comes from it. So, okay, well, that's the law. No, even knowing that Jesus was innocent and that he died for you, that teaches you, but it doesn't perfect you. That's half the problem with preaching these days is you think if you know Jesus died for you that that perfects you. It doesn't. It teaches you. Something else has to happen for you to be perfected. So just knowing that Jesus died on a cross is not enough. He's called us to join him in that suffering. Oh, come on. That course of joining Christ in his sufferings is the course, is the path. That allows us to end up in completion, in wholeness, in perfection. And I can tell you tonight, I want to walk that course more than ever. Church, you have a green light to pursue that. You can throw caution to the wind in holiness and pursue the sufferings of Christ with your whole being. Look, I want to jump in on this for a second because y'all got quiet and it's important that you understand this. I don't need a certain response. What we need is for you to dial into this thought. Knowing that Jesus died for you does not perfect you. At the very best, it leads you to a place where you can act and be credited with righteousness and joining him in the very same course. In other words, taking up your cross and dying yourself, that is what perfects you. Do you hear the extraordinary disconnect? We could treat the law as if it's bad because it never could remove their sinful nature. Well, neither can knowing Jesus died for you. Not until you crawl on the cross daily with him. See, the question is, are they apostles and so they go? Or in the going, do they become apostles? And the answer is yes. The moment you realize what Jesus has done for you, it should compel in you actions that imitate him. And in those actions, you become Christ. Turn to Acts 20 and find verse 24 and say till the end. And while you're turning there, I just want to say that something I've observed from my pastors from our elders is that the gospel is much more than information. It's actually not about information. It's about transformation. Let's look at verse 24. Are you guys there? I'm there. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish 
the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. Do you see what is happening here? Because of what Jesus did for him, he now considers, Paul considers his own life worth nothing if only his aim is to talio. To both finish and be finished in the process. To both complete the mission and himself be completed in the process. This only happens when you begin joining the sacrifice of Christ, not just admiring it from a distance. The man of God must throw caution to the wind and respond like Jesus with a green light. He has to talio. He has to finish the course. He has to be perfected. He has to reach the goal. And his God helping him, he will do it. Look, this can only be done when you begin to consider that your life is worth nothing in light of finishing the mission that you are given, that you are being given, and that you will be given. In all three tenses, it never stops. How many cautionary statements will come against you in your life? Don't do that. Don't do that. But when God said, do it, then whether it's a mission you were given or being given or a mission you will be given, you throw caution to the wind and you take a green light attitude. It's so good to hear that I've been given a mission. I'm being given things daily. Yes. And... I will be given the full mission and I will complete it. Church, turn to Philippians 3 and find verse 12. Till the end. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. When the scripture says press on, I say, man, I got a green light. It's time to charge into everything that Christ has called me forward into. Look, I have a mission. I'm being given a mission. And I will complete that mission. And one of the exciting things about studying Talio is that you can find it in both Testaments. Oh, you know, that's true, and we're going to look at it in the LXX in just a minute. I want to draw your attention back to a thought, though. In Philippians 3.12, when he said, Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. You might be surprised to know, arrived at my goal is talio. We place the emphasis on press on because we need to. But the point is, is Paul, because he had not yet completed his mission... Christ was not fully complete in him. The two go hand in hand. When you walk in obedience, more of that obedience is now living in you. Talio is the goal, friends, and we're on our way to it, but you're going to have to press on. you got a green light to press on. Do you want to? Let's look at this in the LXX for a minute. We're going to be in Leviticus 21.10. Now, on the left side of that slide, wow, it's a little smaller than I wanted it to be. What you're reading from is Sweet's uh, translation of the Septuagint. So that's where you find this. It says, 
And the high priest from his kinsmen, when the olive oil for the anointed has been poured upon his head and his hand has been filled, somebody say filled, to put on the sacred garments, he will not take the turban off of his head. Now, what is really interesting there is the idea of filled, that is teleo. It's another way to translate teleo. Finishing, reaching, the goal, fulfilled, perfect, complete, completing one's mission. The LXX opts for a literal rendering of a phrase that is his hand has been filled or made teleo. This phrase is teleo plus the word for hand. See, when you've thrown caution to the wind and you must complete your course, the Bible views your hand as being teleo, filled, completed, Perfect. Your hand has arrived at the goal and you can now put on your sacred garments. Come on, somebody say that's good. good. Church, let's look to the right hand of the screen in the NIV. The high priest, the one among his brothers who had the anointing oil poured on his head and who had been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become unkempt or tear his clothes. Notice the Strong's number, 4390, the word male yad. Say male yad with me. Male yad. Look, the NIV is derived from the corresponding Hebrew phrase male yad that you see here. Your hand has been filled, replenished, completed. In other words, your tasks are ordained. Is that good to hear? This is always true now in the task we are doing. We get to put on priestly garments. It's always true in the future when because of the ordained task we have been given to do, we will put on heavenly bodies. Do you guys see that? We are being given priestly garments now, but in no means is it complete, but the Lord will complete it. And I long for that day that I wear that priestly heavenly garment. See, when you set out with a green light and you throw caution to the wind and you're attempting to do what God has said to do, in one sense, you haven't completed it yet. In another sense, your hand is full of that completion. Your hands and your feet are working in an ordained way and God is able to perform what he has promised. He's able to complete what he has begun in you. But it requires you to set out throwing caution to the wind and then he completes in you what you are still completing on earth for him. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go to 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-six, so that you have a prophet passage. When we're looking at this passage, I'm going to read from the left side of the screen. You might not recognize this at first. It comes from 2 Kingdoms 26, 26 in the LXX. With devotion, you will be declared devout. And with a complete man... You will be complete. The phrase you will be complete is teleo. Now, most of us wouldn't recognize the LXX here. Now, we wouldn't recognize it for two reasons. The first is it calls 2 Samuel second kingdoms. And the second reason is the wording is so unfamiliar. I mean, to be honest, if I texted you that without a reference, would you know it was even in the Bible? It chose to emphasize that a man who is himself being completed, he sees God as having finished or reached the goal 
fulfilled, perfected, or completed the mission that God designed for that man. In other words, the LXX is emphasizing that as you become a complete man, you notice that God is Talio and he's caused it to occur inside of you. Wow. This passage is familiar. So let's look at it in the Hebrew. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. Look, it emphasizes that a faithful man will see God as tamam, having brought an event or activity to its successful end. God's working is blameless and perfect in the man. You see, when you hear yourselves blameless, you think I didn't do anything wrong. That's a bad emphasis. This is, I set out to do it right, and he did what was right inside of me along the way. That's Talio, friends. Let's pull up that next slide. This is Second Chronicles eight sixteen, And I'm going to be on the left side of the screen reading from the NASB. Thus, all the work of Solomon was carried out from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord. And until it was finished, so the house of the Lord was completed. This is the Hebrew word shalim. It may call to mind the word shalom. And we place the Nazbi on the left, as I told you earlier. But notice that uh, carried out all of the work until it was finished. But then it's said to be completed. Do you guys see that? It's not meant to be redundant. The work was finished and then declared to be shalim, fully and richly accomplished. He finished the work and then the Lord completed the work. Could we all use that in our lives? I want to read to you the right side of the screen for a second. This is from the Septuagint, same passage. All the labor was prepared from the day it was laid until Solomon, Talio, the house of the Lord. See, the LXX picks up on this concept. Not that work was not done in two ways, but it's not a redundant statement. It says, the labor was prepared until Solomon, Talio, the house of the Lord. Here would be the meaning. Solomon finished it, but he also perfected it, fulfilled it, reached the goal. He completed his mission, not just his work. The truth is that in the process of finishing the course that God lays out for you, you are perfected along that course. In pursuing God's goal, God's goal begins to merge with your goal and you have one goal. You are doing His work on earth and He is doing His work in you. You have set out after His goal and your goal has become His and vice versa. Now, we want you to reflect on that for a minute. We wanted to preach a 43-minute message, and we have nailed it. But it's not over. We have a song for you while you're reflecting on that, and then we're going to come back and circle back to Luke 13 and close in Luke 13. We're asking you to stay seated during the song. We're asking you to stay engaged during the song to the extent that you are thinking about the words The song is tonight a part of the sermon, and it's called Till the End.
It's been a long time hiding fear in the shadows. It's time to get down dirty up my knees in the battle. Oh, come on, round up the men, make the gates of hell rattle. Oh, I flesh is tattered and our bones are shattered but it doesn't matter cause we're moving forward call them out call them out let's go call them out let's go oh my hands will raise the dead resurrection through the blood we shed the only way i'm living is dead that's the weight of his weight of his blood he shed The weight of his weight of his blood he shed. Ooh, the blood he shed. Ooh, we've been shot up, beat up by the falling of the arrows. Yeah, I'm full of deep cuts right down to the marrow. But there's no doubt will come out from the bottom. Oh, our flesh is tattered and our bones are shattered, but it doesn't matter because we're moving Call them out, call them out, let's go. Call them out, let's go. Oh, my hands will raise the dead. Resurrection through the blood we shed. The only way I'm living is dead. That's the weight of his, weight of his blood. When the earth starts quaking Got the Lord's foundation With the power over Satan And the, oh, my hands will raise the dead Resurrection through the blood we shed The only way I'm living is dead That's the weight of his, weight of his blood he shed Where we go, we will win We've got that power to be sin The only way I'm living is dead That's the weight of his, weight of his blood Determined with the odds ahead. The only way we're living is dead. That's the weight of his weight of his blood he shed. I love the song. Jesus loves the song. You applauded for the song.
that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for you to become that song. I want to revisit the slide with the three translations on it, Megan. The ESV. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I finish my course. Are you on the course God designed for you? Stages of your course must be completed for you to move forward. It's not possible for you to simply skip what you would like to avoid. You have a green light, church, to throw caution to the wind and complete your course today, tomorrow, till the end. Let's read it in the Young's Literal. And he said to them, having gone, say to this fox, lo, I cast forth demons and perfect cures today, tomorrow, and the third day, I am being perfected. My question to you is, are you being perfected? You must press in to the ever-increasing holiness. We have to press in, church. The song really wasn't written for applause. It was to bring about a reality of what it takes to, to press in, to be holy. Flesh that's tattered, bones that are shattered. It doesn't matter because I'm going to move forward today, tomorrow, till the very end. You have a green light to throw caution to the wind, to embrace the process of perfection. You can start today. You can continue it tomorrow. You must continue it to the end. Look at the Nazbi. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I reach my, say my, my my goal. Is it the goal of your life to truly have God's goal as the entirety of your life? You must reach God's goal. It has to become something you could say, God's goal is now my, with a capital M, my goal. It is not possible to even enter the kingdom by avoiding God's goals and priorities in favor of your own goals and priorities. Church, I'll say it again, you have a green light. To throw caution to the wind and embrace the sacrificial of God as your own goal. Calling it my goal. You can do this today. You can do this tomorrow. And you must do this till the end. I don't know what you heard tonight. But I I hope that you walked away from studying Talios that... The work isn't completed, but he will complete it. He will put those garments in your hands tonight. 
And if you will do something with them, they will produce a complete, finished work. You got to press in with a green light. You have to put your hands out there to the work so that God can ordain the hands for the work. Nothing happens from sitting at the red light. And nothing happens from avoiding the intersection in a yellow light. It's green light time, friends. We're going to embrace the course God has laid out for us. We're going to embrace the process that also perfects us as we move forward. And tonight, God's goal becomes my goal. We're going to put Philippians 1.6 on the screen as you stand to your feet. And this time, you get to join us in that song. We'll put the lyrics on the screen, and we want them to become the cry of your heart as you join us in this endeavor. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is faithful to begin in you if you are faithful to begin in Him. Both processes have to go on together. As you press in with a green light, caution to the wind towards that goal. He presses into you to turn you into what He is. That's what this church is learning. We're going to join together in worship. We're going to sing that song together with lyrics on the screen. And when the song is done, we're asking you to hit your knees and make good on your commitment so that you're not guilty of a flashing red light. That gets everybody dead. We're going to put one foot flat on the floor. And that's the accelerator. And everybody can get with us or get behind us. But there'll be no standing in front of us. Father, we're asking right here and right now that you would bring this church into unity as we worship you. As we move in your power and move in what you have given us. Move the hearts of the people towards your goal. It's been a long